This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Mystery. We're back, baby! Did you play that tower defense game I sent you when you were away? I said okay, so so we we've got a couple different energies coming into this because what I what I said was we're back, baby, and then you said, did you play that tower defense game that I sent you? So which one do you yeah. want to go with? Because it's kind of a choose your own adventure. Which one do you like? Yeah, my thing was meant more for like, hey, before we actually get into things, uh-huh. did yeah. you play that tower defense game I sent you while we were both away? Okay, yeah, uh, no. Okay, you would love it, and you should play it. I honestly spend hours on it almost daily. Okay. Good. It's an iPhone game. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, uh, we're back! Excuse me? We're back. And then now I'm trying to match your energy from earlier. Because you came in with an energy that was, like, bombastic earlier. Yeah. And what are you saying? You're saying we're back. Um, we've been away for some time. We've been away, and I went traveling to... Jolly old England. Yep. And I can say that because I am English and I do have an actual English accent, even though that was a parody of an American trying to do an English accent. Right. So I don't think it was my real one. Uh, and But it is allowed and it's not problematic. Yep. Um, with my child. I went to jolly old Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> with my child. And I am from Minnesota, so yeah. I can also do an accent. Great. How was your trip? Fine. My baby is a good boy who's well-behaved. He didn't seem to notice that he was 30,000 feet in the air, and if he did, he didn't give a shit. He just politely laid across our laps for That's the nice. duration of the flight mm-hmm. and then was a well, well-behaved boy. Okay. Because he's – that's just who he is, you know? That's yeah. just his temperament. Okay. That, that's not me. And you're a boy? Bad boy. He's bad. Bad boy, bad boy, bad boy, bad boy. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Okay, all right, here's what I got. On the way over, he did not, and this is good boy stuff, he did not, on the way over, vomit on me. Across the Atlantic. Yeah. Okay. Good boy. And that's good, that's good boy. That's what good boys do. Yeah. Here's what he did do. Mm -hmm. Screamed. For ten hours, how the people on the plane think? They hated it. Yeah, especially the guy behind me. Like everybody was already like, "Oh, it's a screaming baby flight." But the guy behind me, who was not like just like an older businessman type, and was being as nice as you can be when it's clear that you're very annoyed. Yeah. Then got a teddy bear in the fucking face at three in the morning. And he was not happy at all. He was so unhappy. I just, I didn't even say anything. I just, because I was like holding this like bucking, screaming child. I just reached my hand backwards and like a teddy bear appeared at my hand. And I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> it's fucking four in the morning. All the lights are off, you know? Yeah. And then the fucking uh, flight attendants kept coming by. This is very British Airways. And it's also very like people who don't have children. Like it's like three in the morning. The child has been screaming for like two hours and is like also like, physically very active like bucking and writhing and like sarah and i are like probably in a way that i'm realizing now like further panicking the child being like it's okay it's okay calm down it's okay it's okay 
<laughs> like stressing the fuck out of everybody. And these flight attendants come by and like every like 20 minutes or so, a flight attendant comes by and will like kneel down and be like, does he, um, would he like a, 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 a tomato juice? We've got... <laughs> Would he like a tomato juice? It's like, dog, if fucking tomato juice was going to cure this, like, don't you think I would have fucking brought a bunch of tomato juice or fucking Maybe that's asked like you for code. some? Maybe that's yeah. stewardess code for like, would you, would he like a Bloody Mary? But that's not, this isn't my, this is not my story. They eventually let us sit in where the stewardesses sat so that we could scream in the, in the aisles. They were worried because we were near first class. Um, that's not my dad talk story. And I know this is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. And for new listeners, that we also all do know that. We're, yeah, and we're also new dads. So but we're dads, so we talk about dad stuff. Um, Eat it. That's not my story. Here's my story. So the reason we went there, the primary reason we went there is for my cousin Kate's wedding. You may have heard of Cousin Kate because Cousin Kate is Cousin Pip's sister. Who's Cousin Pip? I've never heard of Cousin Kate, no. Introduce me to the Babysitter's Club. I've never heard of her. Cousin Pip has a sister. Okay. You know what Pip is? Yeah, introduce you to the Babysitter's Club. Yeah, got a sister. Kate went for her wedding. Okay. Got it? And she's now she's married. Now she's married. We went for her what wedding. What is her wife or husband's name? Her husband's name is Ben. Okay, and is, is he cool? Yeah, British. Oh. <laughs> cool dude, though. But guess what we did to him and to Kate? Here's my story. Okay. Uh, night before the wedding. May have been two nights before the wedding, but we show up, and they had booked this really fucking lovely old English country house way out in the countryside in Dorset. Ooh, for... I bet I know who really appreciated that. Who? Cyril. Yeah. He probably uh, loved it. Loved it. It was beautiful, and uh, it was just for the bride and groom and for close family. Yeah. And so it was like, there were like probably eight to ten rooms. Bride and groom got the big room, and everybody else got uh, a nice little room in this gorgeous country house we were all close together you could hear everything that was happening in the house it was the day before the wedding and cyril like learned about jet lag in this very very screamy way he just screamed so he literally screamed the whole night fucking screaming and you could see like see all the lights going on all around the little house yeah eventually i was like the only thing i I can think to do because i was so anxious about like keeping all the wedding guests up I take him outside. Yeah, that's kind of your go-to move. That's my go-to. I take him outside, which was a huge mistake because he like was not happy at all. And it was pitch dark. It was just like in the darkness of the English country. There was like, you couldn't see shit. So there's fucking screaming baby and it's pitch dark and I can't see anything. And I'm like frantically walking around at like two in the morning and I see the lights of a car, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this going to be? Is someone going to come and arrest me? This, like, old van pulls up and stops right next to me, and I'm just, like, holding this squirming, screaming baby. And I'm like, what the is this going to be? The door opens, and the guy who gets out is, have you seen the Harry Potter movies? Some of them, yeah. There's a guy in it who's, like, an old caretaker of the uh yeah he's creepy i think he's called filch yeah and he's like an old dude with like long hair filch filch argus filch yes yeah and so he looks exactly like that dead fucking ringer 
Okay. And he gets out of the car, and I'm like ready to be like, uh, I know it looks like I just kidnapped this child, but it's my child. And I turn to him and I go, ha, sorry, having trouble getting my child to sleep. And he looks at me and he goes, the screaming woke up my cats. Okay. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry you're having a bad time. Yeah. And then I so left. So th- this dude felt, he, this dude was so angry about the screaming. That it woke up and his he cat compelled to get in his van and hunt it down and like leave his house and then tell me that it had woken his cats. Yeah. Huh. Why? In my experience, I'm not a cat owner any longer, but I was for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Cats were often act. My cats, at least, were often active in the middle of the night. Yeah, and like, who cares if your fucking cat woke up? And the cats just sleep all day anyway. But also, why did you come from Harry Potter? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and also, I I'm busy. <laughs> I'm so busy right now. That sucks. I'm sorry you have a bad baby. Yeah. This has been Dad Talk. And now, we did read a book this week, right? We read a great it one. It has been weeks since we last read a book, because we both did go on vacation. Are you, okay, so let's make up for that long dad talk intro by talking a lot about this book. But first, let's say, hi, hi. And why, why? And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 Mystery. Club. I'm Jack Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. And every week we talk about a different mystery in the Great Mystery Cycle by the Great Mystery herself and Mystery Martin. This week we read a great mystery called Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 31, Marianne and the Music Box Secret. And it was great and I loved it. And Marianne's grandparents are in it. And there's a great B-plot with the DeWitts. And there's a secret and there's a music box. And it just had everything. Very good book. I loved it. Oh, let's describe it. Okay, and do I have to do anything for that? Uh, yeah, you listen to me. Okay. And then... Oh I thought I had to do something. I'll listen to you. I wrote a little description here. I'm going to describe the book. Then we're going to put 60 seconds on a very mysterious and extremely dangerous clock and have you describe it. Ready? I'm ready. Sorry, I had already tuned out. Okay, here it is. I'd like for you to listen. Yeah. Okay, play the music. Sexual deviant Marianne Spear inadvertently opens a portal to hell when she tinkers with a music box she found while cleaning her grandparents' house. The act unleashes gruesome beings called Cenobites who tear Marianne's body apart. When Marianne's friend Christy returns to the house, she accidentally brings what is left of Marianne back to life. Marianne then convinces Logan, her one-time lover, to lure women back to the house so she can use their blood to reconstruct herself. Babysitter's Club Mystery, number 31, Marianne, and the Music Box Secret. Yep. Like I said, a fucking good one this week. Sounded right to me and sounded... Chills and thrills. Chills and thrills. Um, it had a little bit of everything. Yeah. Terror. Terror. Gore. Horror. Um, a world of infinite pleasure and pain. Little, little sexy. Yeah, little sexy. Because of the infinite pleasure and pain. Yep. A little bit sexy. So, yeah, this one, this one, perhaps. Was much not sexy. expecting Cenobites. I was not expecting Cenobites either, but yeah. they're in there. Yeah, they got them. It's chock full of them. Um, there's this one Cenobite who, like, 
has a made up name, like an obvious made up name too. Uh-huh. Like they introduce this guy and he's just like, oh, um, my name is Jim. Oh yeah. Prentice. Jim Prentice. Yeah. And that guy's definitely a Cenobite. He's a plumber. Yeah. He's a plumber. There's Hank. And Esther. And there are Cenobites. And yeah. like Hank's thing is probably like his eyelids have been like stretched back kind of to the point of like there's like little – there's little like picture hanging screws screwed into his like chin and head. Uh-huh. And his eyebrow eyelids have been stretched back and tied with like wire to those like picture hanging screws. That's nice, yeah. You and know? he's childhood friends of um, Marianne's grandmother, and uh, and they went on a uh, cruise together. Yeah, and then Esther is like, her thing is probably like, she's got a big CD player for a head. Yeah, she's got a CD player for a head. <laughs> she should really be with that guy who has CDs coming out of his head in the in Hellraiser Four. Yeah, Hell on Earth. I nailed it, and I did a good job of describing the book, but I feel like there are probably a few... Like, I didn't really touch on the B-plot that much. Oh, I did, actually. Logan convinces um, women to come back to the house so that um, Marianne can use their blood to reconstruct herself. Yep. And that's the that's the B-plot. That's the B-plot. Why don't I reach into a pocket of time and uh, get this very, very mysterious and very frightening and dangerous clock that I keep around the house going... Okay. And um, have did you, you bring the clock? And this is something I've never asked, and now I'm actually pretty curious. I wouldn't, but yeah. Did you bring the clock back from a world of pleasure? And yes. Pain? Yes, I can. I am allowed to just say yes. The labyrinth. Yes. Yeah. Brought it back. It was not easy, okay. and it was not worth it. And I, you wish know, they I had. show that labyrinth in Hellraiser Two, like where really? the Hellraisers live. The Cenobites. The Cenobites. And it's yeah. just a labyrinth. And it's like, this does not seem like a world of pleasure and pain. It seems like a labyrinth. <laughs> it seems like a labyrinth. Well, <laughs> um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 60 seconds on this extremely small and extremely mysterious clock and have you describe the novel during those 60 seconds. Are you ready to do that? Yes. Okay. Ready? Yes. In five, four, four three. three. Granny and Pop Pop go on a cruise. Granny and Pop Pop are Sharon's parents. Um, while they're gone, their house floods, and Sharon and Marianne decide to go over and clean it up. Uh, the ha- the basement is a wreck, and they need to like clear out all the stuff in there. And while they're doing so, Marianne discovers a loose panel in the wall with a cubby hole behind it, and in the cubby hole is a wrapped gift and the gift the gift wrap says do not open or you will be cursed and she decides to open it anyway and inside is a music box and inside the music box is a secret panel and inside the secret panel is a portrait of a young sailor boy and a woman whose face has been cut out of the photo and she tries to discover who the people are, and it turns out that it's her grandmother and her first lover who died in the war. And also, everyone thinks there's a treasure hidden on the property, but there's not. And time. And the DeWitt kids have an addition on their house. Yeah, that's the B-plot. You gave short shrift to the B-plot, which is, it kind of intertwines very well with the A-plot because the contractors who are working on fixing up Both uh, Grandma's house uh, are also working on the DeWitt's house. Yep. And there's just so much in this one. There's so much. So much in this one. It's unclear what the mystery is. 
Well, okay, and so do you just want to get into it? It's guessing the mystery? Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't. I, Liz isn't here, so I don't know. There is someone moving around behind me, but I don't think it's Liz. Should I peek out and check? Well, I don't know if oh, you put it Liz? that Okay, yeah. Come in. Okay. No, you read our minds. Great. Okay. Okay. She, now she's doing it. Great. Oh, wait, I have to look up a Sublime song. <laughs> I can't just do what we've done already. <laughs> You're guessing the mystery. Guesses is what I got. Don't start a riot. You'll feel it when the book gets hot. Hot guesses are what I got. I said remember that. And guesses are what I got. I got, I got, I got. Okay, thank you. That's great. You did a great job. And what we do here is that uh, Baby B. Liz wrote a really nice song for our segment where we say what we thought the mystery was going to be after Chapter 5. And then T- Tanner does a thing where, f- he, for some reason... He sings a different sublime it's sub, song. It's always sublime, and yeah. I don't totally understand uh, why. Afterwards, it feels very unnecessary, but yeah. that's what we do. And uh, what we say, well, uh, what we thought the mystery was going to be after chapter five. And this one was, uh, I'm going to be shocked if you got it. Because after chapter five, she had just found <laughs> a bo- the, the lament configuration. Prepare to be shocked then, my friend. Okay. I think you will be pleasantly surprised them, I guess. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. It might yeah. ruin your guess, though, because mine is so close to right. Okay. Nothing to go off of. Maybe the house used to belong to Hank and Esther. That's how they became friends with Granny and Pop-Pop. Hank left the music box as a gift for Esther. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> That's so even close. <laughs> it's very wrong. That's so. I've, that's the wrongest guess of it's all. It's very, time. very wrong. She gave us nothing, though. Ellen gave us nothing. Like there was barely even a mystery. Yeah, they went on a By cruise with Granny. Five. Okay, here's what I said, and mine is way closer. Ready? Yep. Um, so you said all the names of the people, right? Jim Prentice is the plumber. Eddie is the contractor. Jim Prentice's thing is that he doesn't have arms, and his arms end in bloody stumps, and from the right. bloody stumps is, like, PVC pipes. Right. And uh, he comes from a world of infinite pleasure and pain. And then Eddie, the Eddie the contractor, contractor has nails in his eyes. Um, eyes, yep. Like the Inquisitors from the Mistborn series. And now I would like to say what my guess was. Ready? Yep. Granny, when she was living next door to the boy who was Jim Prentice's friend, had some kind of a relationship with him that caused her to leave the music box in the wall with the curse. Curses are not real. 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 You wrote that down? Yeah. Okay. Because at the time, and Ellen kind of backs off of this. But at the time, it seems like curses are real because yes, Marianne well, opens this box and it it's wrapped in this thing that says whoever opens this shall be cursed. Right. And there's just been a flood, and we know that Marianne is very susceptible to fires and floods, and her whole right. family is being ravaged by the elements at all times. Their houses, any house, if you're a spear, 
and you live in a house, get right. out of it. Get out of it. Because it's going to um, get Jack, fired or flooded. Your guess was pretty good. It's pretty good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Especially given that we had nothing to go off nothing. of. Your guess yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Curses are real. Uh, see? <laughs> because that, at the beginning of chapter six, yeah. and I'll read the passage here. Okay. Marianne finds us this music box. She opens it. She listens to its bewitching tune. Yeah. And then the beginning of chapter six. The sailor was so sad. That was what I could not forget. His sad, sad eyes. They were a deep blue, almost matching the trim on his sparkling white uniform. Who was he? I wish I knew. I woke up on Tuesday morning feeling unsettled. I'd been dreaming all night, or at least it seemed that way, about this sad young sailor boy dressed in a World War II uniform. He appeared everywhere in my dreams that night. First, I spotted him walking down the long hallway between periods of school. Then he turned up at Pizza Express while I was splitting a pizza with Logan. Then he popped out from behind a tree as I walked up to my house. So, Marianne, she dreams about him before she sees the picture. Before she sees the picture, and then she sees the picture, and it's him. She is cursed, and she is haunted by the ghost of how I wonder. Of how I wonder, right? And that so the, you didn't get this, this in your description, but this is so, the actual solution to the mystery. Deep inside the music box is a note and a picture of the sailor boy. Once and, you once you solve the music box, yeah, it clicks open. Yeah, it's very scary. Yes, and yeah. inside inside the opening was a note. A note, and the note says some sappy shit, and it signed. Oh, here's what it says. It says. Dearest LS, they're playing our song. Think of me whenever you look up at the night sky. I'll be on the other side of the world thinking of you. And before long, I'll be back and we can look at the stars together forever. Signed, H-I-W. And so a lot of us, a lot of us who read this book spent a little lot of time trying to figure out who ls and hiw well and imagine were. my relief when i saw that it was signed hiw and my guess was that it was hank's music box no like, oh you're like nailed it nailed fucking it. nailed it yeah, yeah yeah fucking nailed it and then there's this woman called lydia uh but it's neither and you should have guessed this already uh listener uh but you probably didn't and it's ls is little star and hiw is how i wonder and more importantly these two fucking losers. This that was their song. Yeah, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Twinkle, you know, it's the same star. as the alphabet song. Literally, basically, yeah. your fucking song with your lover is a fucking alphabet song. Right, and that's and so that's what he sang to himself every night when he was in the trenches. Yeah, twinkle, fucking twinkle. Every all the dudes are like, what? What is that? He's like, yeah. oh, it's my song with my girlfriend. Isn't it cool to have a girlfriend? He's like, no, your song is Twinkle what is she Twinkle. Eight? What is she yeah. eight? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? He's like humming it. He's like, are you humming the a- that fucking ABC song? We're in the trenches. Yeah. That's not a song that should be your song. And those are bad nicknames anyway. How yeah. I wonder. That's a terrible nickname for someone. 
And then Marianne, at the end of the book, guesses it. She guesses the mystery. She guesses it. Out of nowhere. And like yeah. she confronts her grandma and she's like, hey, grandma, do you know anything about this bracelet? I think it belonged to someone called Little Star and her boyfriend, How I Wonder. And her grandma's just like, oh, yes, my nickname was Little Star and my boyfriend's name was How I Wonder. And it's just like if I was a nine-year-old <laughs> woman and my granddaughter came up to me and said, I know your nickname from a thousand years ago. What the fuck? I would have been like, are you clairvoyant? What is going on here? It's insane. Um, what I should probably do is uh, is um, the moment that made me cry, and then we'll probably take a break. And the way that I'm going to do that is by reading a poem. Okay. You ready? Once I heard of a dead doggy, and my mind grew weak and foggy. His tragic fate was written in Martin's lore. He was but a border collie. And to weep would be such folly, overcome by melancholy, sorry, but there must be more. Louis's gone to be with Mimi, sad goodbyes I do abhor. Tearful moments come once more. And it's a moment in this book that made us cry, and the reason that I want to tell you about it, Tanner, is because it is related to what we were talking about, which is this Scary sailor who is haunting Marianne's dreams. May I read you the passage? Yes. I'm going to read you the passage, and then I'm going to read uh, a little coda on the passage, which is what ends the novel. Okay. Granny, I said impulsively, do you know anything about this bracelet? I held up my wrist. Granny gave a little gasp. I have a feeling it belonged to a girl who used to live in your house, I said. A girl named Lydia? I think her boyfriend gave it to her. They called each other Little Star and How I Wonder. Do you remember writing to your cousin June about their romance? I thought she'd be surprised at how much I knew, but Granny still hadn't spoken. In fact, she hadn't taken her eyes off the bracelet. Granny? I asked, suddenly concerned. Are you feeling all right? I'm fine, she said. She reached out and touched one of the stars on the bracelet. And I do indeed remember Lydia and her boyfriend, she said. But this bracelet didn't belong to her. It belonged to me. I was Little Star. You? I gasped. She nodded. That's what Frank called me. And I called him How I Wonder. Silly names, but that's how young lovers are. She still had that faraway look in her eyes. Frank? I asked, shaking my head as if to clear it. Granny was turning everything upside down. That was his name, she said. I met him at the ice cream shop. He was my first true love. He gave me the Frank most... Frank is be- the name of the guy from uh, Hellraiser, by the way. The first one. Should we talk about that? No, I just... The guy at the beginning of the movie who gets like his flesh flayed apart... I figured you weren't paying attention because I did a pretty funny voice for Granny at the beginning and you didn't react, so I just kind of went with it. Oh, I would have reacted if you did a bad voice. Oh, you liked it. I would have given you notes. Yeah. But I thought the voice you did was great, so I didn't didn't have any notes. Yeah. So Frank is the guy from Hellraiser, and we should probably talk about it. Frank Cotton. Yeah. Yeah, and I am only halfway through the tearful moment, so hopefully the music has stopped. But that does seem very significant because Marianne finds the lament configuration hidden in, in the wall of her grandmother's house. Yep. And then the guy is Frank. Yep. And it, these books are based on the Hellraiser series. Yep. And we've Frank always said Connor. it, and no one has ever believed us. Right. They've I always know. thought it's a goof. Nope. And a joke. But it's not. 
It's the most serious thing I can imagine. Yeah. These are powers beyond your understanding and your comprehension. Yes. Baby Nation. So, like, this is very serious, okay? It's so serious. Have you seen Hellraiser 3? They bring hell to Earth. Yeah. And um, is that something to joke and laugh about? Right. And, and a lot not, of people died. Yeah. A lot of people died. <laughs> and Frank is Frank Cotton from the Hellraiser series. And Marianne yep. found the lament configuration. Yep. Technically, the lead, the woman in Hellraiser, the first one, is named Christy, but I'm not going to read into that too much. Christy Cotton. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, okay, I, I was going to say, and it all ends in fire, but it doesn't. Do we know what the mysteries end in? Oh, gosh. Well, I tell you what they end in. Hell on Earth. I'm going to look. Oh, fuck. Wait, hang on. What does it say, Hell on Earth? I'm looking at all in series. They end in cat burglars. Okay. It's a mystery with nine lives, says Hodges. So we all know it ends in cat burglars. Okay. And that's scary. I'm going to read read the synopsis blurb on the back of the book real quick. Okay. Let's see what we think. A sleazy nightclub owner purchases a strange, disturbing sculpture, which he soon discovers contains a mysterious, ornate puzzle box. Fuck. This box is a legendary object that promises the secrets of ultimate pain and pleasure, but is in fact a gateway to hell. Soon the box's owner, new owner has unleashed the evil Pinhead, a member of the race of supernatural beings known as the Cenobites. Pinhead proceeds to murder numerous clubgoers in an attempt to gain power and fully free himself in the earthly realm. He faces unexpected opposition, however, from a television reporter investigating the mysterious club murders. Fuck! Okay. okay. Well, well, we'll get to that when we get to that. We're only a few books away. Okay, can I... I'm, I'm realizing, just reading this passage that I was about to finish, it's it's so hellraiser. And you are in the middle of a passage. Yeah, and so I'll, can we... Can I cue, remind you. Can we cue the sad music back up again so I just finish yep. what I was saying? That was his name, she said. I met him at the ice cream shop. He was my first true love. He gave me the most beautiful music box in the world. Then he went off to the war and was killed. And then, these are the last lines of the novel, and this is what truly made me This cry. is the coda. The gripping coda. Yeah. I never did tell Granny about the way I dreamed of Frank. I guess I was afraid it might upset her. But I did have one last dream about my sailor boy, the night after the party. Once again, I saw him from a distance, and I sensed a question in those beautiful blue eyes of his. But this time, he was able to talk to me. And I finally found out what the question was. How is she? He asked me. How is my grace? My little star? I told him she was fine. Happy. That's actually super spooky. And healthy. That's actually super spooky. He seemed satisfied. And that is actually super spooky. But also... She talked to a ghost. She talked to a ghost, and it was the ghost of the sailor who died in the war, who was her grandmother's first love, and yep. who he was is also boy. Frank from Hellraiser. He was a sailor boy. She said, see you later, boy. Oh, God. He was a sailor boy, and she said, see you later, boy. He wasn't good enough for her. Oh, Tanner. That's such a beautiful way of saying that. Can you say it again? He was a sailor boy? He was a sailor boy. She said, see you later, boy. He wasn't good enough for That's her. That's beautiful. But he was good enough to die in the trenches, apparently. And he Ellen, did. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, 
what I would love to do is take a quick break, go and they still have trenches in World War Two. No, not so many. Not not in probably not some in, though. It's right? not like iconic. I'm sure it happened. Yeah. What I'd love to do is go and see if, and I don't want to get slip back into dad talk because we really did a long one. Yeah. Um, but somebody else put my boy to bed. Okay. Tonight, so that I could record this podcast with you. Who? I don't want to say. Cenobite. <laughs> You open the little mountain configuration, you're like, thank God you're here. Like, hey, sorry. I don't have time. <laughs> but can just you make it to sleep? Just I read him. Go start just the read him two stories. Read him two stories. He's going he's gonna to fight it, but just stick to that. Make sure he has his Paddington bear. Say night night. He's like a person like missing their lower jaw. Listening <laughs> out. They're just like, eh? <laughs> uh, so I just got to check and make sure that went okay. And then we will come back and talk more about this novel. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mystery. Uh, I just got a text message on my phone, an alert, one of those like those Amber Alert sounds. Okay. And it's it was Tim Cook. He's fucking furious. He has control over the Amber Alerts now? Yeah, and it must have gone out to everyone in my area because it it doesn't seem like it was just... It's carpet bombing. And it says, where is my review? He can find you precisely because of fine friends. Yeah. (laughs) But he wants to make sure that he's like like sicking everyone else on you too. Yeah, no, the whole neighborhood. I just saw all the lights in my neighborhood just go on. Right. Everyone's like, what? Oh, what people is started this? coming oh. out of their houses with like bats and pitchforks and like yeah. menacingly walking towards your house. Yeah. Where's Tim Cook's review? Right. Um, and uh, well, so we, we should have, do that. We should do that. I'm terrified. I'm yeah. alone with this child. At, Sarah's out at choir practice. Sarah got the alert at choir practice, almost certainly. Oh, certainly. Yeah. It's probably ruined choir practice. Right. Everyone's looking at her angrily. Yeah. <laughs> Like what did your husband do? I fr- oh he's uh he's basically the the biggest influencer on the hottest new social network that you haven't heard of. It's so that I iTunes books iBooks reviews of the Babysitters right. Club books, and right. Tim Cook has entrusted him with the mission of single handedly making that work. And that's what we're gonna do. And what we do is we like to go to the or we read these books on iBooks and we like to go to iBooks and oh I already hit five stars. It's great. That's yep. what Tim Tim says. And Marianne yeah. book. Yeah. I take no issue with that. And for the title, I was thinking so I think we should you and I might disagree about this because it seems like you've got a different view on the topic. But my one thought about the review is we should tell people that curses are not real and that the review itself is not cursed okay i think that is an okay way to start but what i would say is this review is not cursed but whether or not curses are real yeah is still up for debate and actually pretty strong evidence that they are real okay for the title i'm going to say this review is not cursed dot 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 and then I'm in the text of the review, and I'm going to say dot, dot, dot again. But whether or not curses are real is still up for debate. And then I just want to say, but I do want – and tell me if you don't like this, but I, I just really want to hammer this home. I do want to reiterate that by just reading this review, you and your family 
you and your family. And then, so should we get into the definition of family? No, I think that what we should do is not dwell on every verbal miscue. What do you think? Okay. I think that's fine. That's great. Okay, you and yeah. your family are not in any way, shape, or form cursed in perpetuity to wander the earth as as um, warped and awful right. visages uh, visages of infinite pleasure and pain yes uh, beings I'm gonna say beings so don't worry about that yep that's good and then I'm gonna do a line break that'll set people at ease maybe we should start every episode with that yeah, we should. We could just do it as a just to put people at, at ease. That's that's great, and because I feel like we don't put people at ease enough. Um, and then so I'm going to do a line break, line break, and then I'm just going to say, but as this book proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, novel. So fuck. Thank you, thank you. As the scintillating novel proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, curses are real, real, definitely. Okay, because it says, if you look at the book, if you look at the cover of the book, it says, you will be cursed. And she was, and she, and uh, she was ghost manifested and haunted her dreams. Okay, so that's kind of a disclaimer. Now we want to get into the substance of the text a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to do another line break. I would do two just to be safe. Yep. But... As the cover of this novel shows. And we will get into this later. Yeah. Mary Ann finds the lament configuration. And then should we get into the lament configuration a little bit? Everybody knows what that is, surely. But if you think not, we could just describe it in a parenthetical. I would just say boxes created by Philip Marchand, the maker of Mechanical Singing Bird. Is it Philip or Philippe? Philippe. A French toy maker and creator of Mechanical Singing Bird. Okay. And it was created for uh, a wealthy aristocrat named Duc de Liesel. Duke de Lille. De Lille. Uh, that opens up a world to an infernal dimension inhabited by Cenobites. Good? Yes. Um, while her grandparents are on a cruise. That's true. That is true. Yes, they are on a cruise. Um, Oof, I'm just getting sucked into this. Okay, configuration page and I think that's probably fandom.com. not. I get it, but I. My, I There's a whole to, backstory to the lament configuration, Jack, yeah. and it's gripping. Yeah, I am feeling the pull of you it. You gotta too. keep me away from Hellraiser lore because I just get sucked in. Don't tell me. Tell Hodges. Tell Ellen. Tell Anne. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? They're on a cruise. Well, her um, grandparents are on a cruise. I have to like clear my head. I'm just like so. Right. Oof. Uh, Clive Barker, you. Yeah. Devil. You magician. Okay. Let's keep reviewing this novel. Yes. Um, it's the music box secret. And it's a secret, so we shouldn't tell people in the review what it is. Okay. So we'll have to kind of dance around the secret a little bit. Yeah. But that's just the plot. Let's talk It's just part about... of the plot. And, and, and we will not reveal anymore. You'll have to read the book to learn more. And I hope... You do, because this novel is full of secrets. 
Suspense. Let's have a little fun. Do this. Okay. This novel is full of Cenob and then do a M dash. Okay. And say er comma secrets. Great. And then you can begin your ascending triangle. Secrets. Suspense. And I need a noun beginning with S, please. I will take anyone. And it's uh, not. And did secrets? So secret. We got secrets. We got sequins. Sequins. You want sequins? Uh, does that make sailors? Sailors. There's sailors. Sailors. Nailed it. And sailors. Yeah. Yes, you heard me. There's a sailor ghost in this one. Yeah. Do you think sailor slash ghost? It's like model slash actor. I think when you are a model slash actor, you are a model at times and an actor at other times. This guy is always a sailor and a ghost. Oh, so we should clarify right? that. Um, so let's just say, and this is not like a model slash actor because this sailor ghost is... Sailor ghost is good. It's like Sailor Moon. Always both sailor and ghost. Good? Yep. Anything else you want to say, kind of hit about this book? Uh, the DeWitt families do build an addition on their house, and we do get... And I'm not sure we need to write this down, but I'm just kind of thinking about other things I want to say about this. We okay. do get a lovable new character. Say this. Okay. We're introduced to a lovable new character called Eddie. Yeah, and that is true. And we hope to see more of him in future novels. Well, uh, and we will you. deduct and, and, and say this. We hope to see more of him in future novels, and Alan... We know you're reading this. We will deduct one star from every review. That he's not in. That's great. Yes. Okay. Can I, I – and I haven't written that down yet just because I want to run by – We were workshopping it. Yeah. How I, how I introduce it. I want to say – and t- please tell me if this is not okay. I want to say in case you're de- wondering, the DeWitts are in this novel. Okay, and I do like that. Okay, all right. In case you're de wondering, the de wits are in this novel, and they are having their house remodeled by a fantastic new character named Eddie. And yes, Ellen, if Eddie is not in these books going forward we will deduct a star every time we detect his absence right and i just want to say to brittle babies now who are concerned about this and have voice concerns about this yeah we won't do that because we know like leaving joke one star reviews is not good but like we do need to kind of light a fire under ellen's feet sometimes so yeah okay so don't if, don't capture that in the review. Okay, okay. Oh, we're, so yes. we're not. We're not, Ellen's gonna be scared. Ellen will be scared, and we are lighting a fire under her feet, and she had better include Eddie. We won't actually of, do that. Right, but Baby Nation, we will not do that. Great. Anything else you want to say about this novel, or is it, should we think we should start signing out? Oh boy, uh, I'm trying to think of any relevant Matrix quotes. Oh no, I I think we could probably do without it. Okay. Something about music because it's a music box. Something about music. Okay. Do we know the name of the song that the Lament Configuration plays? I'm sorry, the music box plays? Uh, it's Twinkle Twinkle. It does play Twinkle Twinkle. Yeah, they don't say that in the Hellraiser movies, but it's sort of implied. 
Yeah. Well, the lament configuration is, is not a music box. What about something like I hear the beautiful music of the scintillating novel strumming on the strings of my soul every day of my mortal life? Yes, I love it. Okay. I did think about it for a second, but I do love it. Did I say beautiful or scintillating? You said beautiful, but I would say scintillating. Okay. I hear the beautiful music of the scintillating novel strumming on the strings of my mortal Did you know there are Hellraiser comic books? Every single day of my waking life. No, that I walk this earth. You need to pick these up. And did you know that there are Hellraiser comic books? And then we'll just leave it there. Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring. And I'm going to say, P.S. We loved this one. I'd say, P.S. We loved this one. And we're going to have to pick up these Hellraiser comic books. We are, are, I'm just going to say in all caps, are going to pick up these Hellraiser comic books. And curses are real. But please do not be alarmed you are not cursed from jack this review before you read the review back i just have a quick question for you yeah how many hellraiser movies have you seen just the one first listen one. to this listen to this intro for hellraiser 4 comma uh, colon bloodline okay the film begins at Space Station Minos in the year Jesus. 2127. What the Paul hell? Merchant, the man who built the station, has a robot solve the lament configuration. Doesn't that sound like that sounds literally amazing. the greatest intro to any In- movie ever made? Fucking incredible. We've got to watch them. I've never been enticed to watch a movie more than hearing that intro. That just sounds like, yeah, incredible. I want to see that movie so badly. Ugh. Okay, here's what I got. Five stars. It's great. And the title says, this review is not cursed, dot, dot, dot. And then now we're in the review. But whether or not curses are real is still up for debate. I do want to reiterate, however, that just by reading this review, you and your family are not in any way, shape, or form cursed in perpetuity to wander the earth as warped and twisted beings of infinite pleasure and pain. So don't worry about that. But as this scintillating novel proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, curses are real. As the cover of the scintillating novel shows... I would say the scintillating cover of this text. As the scintillating cover of this text shows, Marianne finds the Lament Configuration, a box created by Philippe Marchand, a French toy maker who creates mechanical singing birds for a wealthy aristocrat called Duke de Lille that opens up a world to an infernal dimension inhabited by Cenobites while her grandparents are on a cruise. That'll make more sense if you kind of just ignore the parenthetical. It's a tough sentence to read out loud. Marianne finds the lament configuration parenthetical while her grandparents are on a cruise. But that's just part of the plot, and you'll have to read the book to learn more. And do you think we should say scintillating? How many times have we already said it? Just twice. Yeah, we want to do three. Yeah. But you'll have to read the scintillating book to learn more. And I hope you do, because this novel is full of scena... <laughs> secrets, suspense... Man, that's good. ...and sailors. Yes, you heard me. There's a sailor slash ghost in this one. And this is not like a model slash actor because this sailor slash ghost 
is always both sailor and ghost. And in case you're de- wondering, the DeWitts are in this novel. And they are having their house remodeled by a fantastic new character named Eddie. And yes, Ellen, if Eddie is not in these books going forward, we will deduct a star every time we detect his absence. I hear the beautiful music of the scintillating novel strumming on the strings of my mortal soul every single day that I walk this earth. And did you know that there are Hellraiser comic books? Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring. P.S. We love this one. We are going to pick up these Hellraiser comic books and curses are real. But please do not be alarmed. You are not cursed from this review. Great. And I think that's perfect. Right? And that's, it's good. And I think it incorporates ties into a lot of these loose threads. And it's like a symphony. It's perfect, and it's like a symphony, and I've hit some in, and it's in there. And you're welcome. And you're welcome. Tim. Call off your fucking dogs, Tim. Call off your dogs. Everyone drops their baseball bats. Leave my wife alone. She's trying to sing in the fucking church choir, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Literally. Actually, it's a Unitarian church, so unclear. Well, it's a Cenobite church. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you want to talk about... Something a little naughty? Who is? You, I'm asking you. Do you want to talk about something a little bit naughty? Okay. Okay. You want me to read With you a naughty you? Because yeah. we have an agreement. No, I know, but I'm going to read you a naughty poem, and then I want you to react to it. Okay. Are you expecting me to get an erection? Because I don't. <laughs> no. I mean. Is that what you meant by listen, react? I think it's weird to phrase it in that way. I'm not expecting you to, but I would be surprised if you did it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's not, I'm not doing it because that's what I want. But it... Y- and it's not it something that had crossed my mind happen. until you brought it up. But now that you have mentioned it, I would be yeah. surprised if you did it. Right. Okay. okay. Well, let's see what happens. Read, read it, your poem and let's see what happens. Is there anyone else in the co-working space? Yeah. Because I think if you do get one, it's going to make a pretty loud... Sp- like sproyoying type of sound. There is literally one guy who's in here every time I'm in here. Okay. Um, and I think he's going to be pretty surprised if I walk okay. out of this room with interaction. <laughs> <laughs> just if you do, because it's all like creative professionals, just go, yeah. just don't, just own it. Walk out and be like, nailed the deal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> And he's going to be like, fuck. He'll get it. He'll get it. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. This guy really fucking like leveraged some influencers. Right. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. And we'll bleep anything that we need to in the poem. So the listeners don't need to worry about boners. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yep. Let's both leave the bedroom and embrace the kitchen. No time for cuisine. No time for cuisine. And I hate to be crass. Forget about cooking. It's time for some Perhaps jam that tuna can right up your Okay, and there it goes. The crisper contains both my undies and stockings. I left my stilettos in the ice tray. So open the freezer and put in your The refrigerator is where we both play. Okay. This is not actually weirdly the segment I thought you were going to introduce. Really? Yeah. Okay. Dude, I thought but I was like, now like it makes sense. Tearful moment. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to do another tearful moment. <laughs> Whatever gets you going. We're talking about refrigerator play. The the novel just opens with it, mm-hmm. and that's the way they decide to just open the novel. 
they open the novel with it, and I guess we should probably also play some other music while I read this because it's it's a hell of an opener from Ellen. Okay. Um, and we'll pause to dwell on an obvious point, and then I'll keep reading. How long a pause? I'll pause. You'll know when I pause. I'll follow your lead. I'll, I'll look at you. I'll look at you meaningfully, and I think Please for listeners, they'll know because the music. I think it will, would be weird kind of to have eye contact in this moment. The music will crescendo. But I'm going to look at you meaningfully at the moment. So okay. we just, you and I know. And you don't have to do eye contact. Just nod your head. Whatever works. Um, Sharon and Richard, do it near the fridge. Let's just come out with it and say it. Right? They can only do it near the fridge. And we have taken to noticing that. Because that's a thing you notice. And we're, we're not, we don't have a stance on it. We don't have, a, people have been, a lot of people have been emailing What's your official stance? We're not, we are neither pro nor con. We are neutral, but we are pro. Talking about it. We are pro people exploring their sexuality. Near the fridge. Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Especially near the fridge. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. Where are they? How can they possibly have disappeared overnight? I heard Sharon asking herself questions as she rushed from room to room. Marianne, she called finally. Have you seen my car keys? I asked, holding them up as she hurried into the kitchen. They were in the bread, bread box. In the bread box. I'm looking at you meaningfully. Okay, and now it's in a box. And it's a bread box. And now we're trying to contain it. And it's a bread box. It's gotten a little bit too big. It's like yep. Akira. Yeah. And it's it's broken past the restraints that we put on it. And now... Yep. We need to contain it in a box, and the box contains both the bread and it and Sharon's sexual sex keys. Okay, I'm going to continue reading this passage. Okay, Sharon smiled back. That's bread theory, by the way. It's all bread, all the way down. It's all bread. It is all bread, all the way down, and that is what they say, and that is what I've said from the beginning. And I'm glad that you were finally on board. Sharon smiled back ruefully as she accepted the keys. Why didn't I save myself time and just look there in the first place? She asked. If you had, they wouldn't have been there, said my father from behind the newspaper. They would have been in the bathroom cabinet or in your underwear drawer. He gave a little snort and peered over the paper. The one place we know they'd never be is on the key rack. Dad shook his head. Why would he keep on the grin? Be safe, kids. Be safe out there. The key rack is one of those like butt plugs that looks like a like dog's tail. (laughs) I don't know those ones. I didn't know know those ones. It's like a butt plug, and then off the butt plug is hanging like a dog's tail. So you can. Should we put? Do you think we should take that? Just take the what you just said and just put it up top of the episode, so folks know what to expect. Yeah, they'll be like, okay, this is going to be a butt plug heavy episode. And then it's just all about Hellraiser. And they're like, well, that is not what I was expecting. Uh, and so uh, it's good to see that they st- the, it's still there. The magic is still there for Richard and Sharon. Oh, there's more, actually. Okay. Remember now, Sharon said to my dad, as we drove over to Granny and Pop-Ops to pick them up for the ride to the ship, if either of you breathes a word about this party, I'll cover you with honey and tie you to an anthill. And God damn it. 
I feel like that is fridge play adjacent. That mixture yeah. of pleasure and pain. Hell yeah! It's like, it's like on the one hand, I love having honey on me. On the other hand, getting eaten by these ants is so unpleasant. That's and then bad. That's sexy. Right. Yeah. And that's the mixture of pleasure and pain. And that's and that's why essentially this book was like a Hellraiser novella. Yeah. Within the Hellraiser universe. Well, Loran just did those um, Ninja Gaiden novellas. Yep. And that's Richard Spears' Hellraiser. That's his Cenobite form. Is a man covered in honey and ants and fully yeah. erect. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, we are, we got to go, but before we do- I think do, we have to go, but first we, first we have to jam at least three more mentions of erections in this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Erections. I actually saw- um, I was on my way to work today and saw a beautiful erection going up. Okay. It's a building right by the Brooklyn Art Museum. Okay. Beautiful. I think it's going to be a really lovely building once it's finished. That's lovely. That's really nice to hear. Did I see a beautiful erection? Anything? Did I see a beautiful erection today? <sighs> nope. Okay. So, sorry to leave you high and dry, Baby Nation, but we're not going to be able to eke out any more references to erections, but what we can do is read a poem, and it goes yeah. like this. Oh, taunt, thou art sick. A very good burn that stings you so right, a knife and doth burn. It gets in your head, but oh, so soon it will cause me to have to call the burn unit. And it's our burn of the week. We say what the birds were in this book. I think there was only one. I don't think there were any. And I, I think the one I managed to capture hardly qualifies as a burn. Okay. Uh, the house... Yeah, that's that had once been so cramped and overflowing had become a palace. And if Buddy was any indication, the kids were thrilled with the addition. He could hardly contain himself as he showed us around. Now we'll enter the girl's zone, he said, holding his nose. Better give me a cootie shot before we get in. I gave him a little pinch. There you go, I said. Though I don't know if that will do any good since a girl gave it to you. You're not a girl, he said. You're a babysitter and almost a grown-up. <laughs> and that was my burn as well. It's the only burn in the book. And Ellen, we love you so much, but you sometimes forget to put a lot of burns in the book. And and that's inconvenient for us because we have sort of we got a segment. Yeah, mythology and segment around it. Uh, she's not a girl. She's a babysitter. Can't be both. Yeah. It's like the Britney song. Is that what it is? I'm not a girl. I'm a babysitter. I'm not a girl. Not yet a babysitter. That's Do you beautiful. know that song? I love it. Yeah. Um, We got to go. We got to go. We've been doing this too long, and by this I mean this podcast. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back in the saddle. This is a great we've, book. We've devolved to just talking about boners and Hellraiser. It's... It's a good book. I hope we did it justice. It falls into a very specific category. Uh, there are some main canon books that are this, but for mysteries, it's like once I do my taxonomy of mysteries, this is going to be one where it's like found a journal and there was a mystery in the past. Right. And the mystery was that Marianne's grandmother was in love with a sailor. He left her a music box. That was it. 
And Marianne's like, hey, Grandma, what's the music box? And she's like, oh, Sailor gave it to me. A dead Sailor gave it to me. Yeah, a dead Sailor gave it to me, and his name is Frank, and Frank is the guy from Hellraiser. Yep, Frank Cotton. Uh, now we're going to leave, and we're going to go. Please do subscribe to our Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash podcast. We sing the descriptions, and you will love it because we put a lot of time and effort and love into it. We read the little sister books. More importantly, at this moment, is that you buy our brand new merch. It's finally happened. It really did happen. We've done it. We've finally done it, and now we have two new shirts up. One is- And they're great. Uh- Tomb of the Patriarchy shirt, and it's based on Jack's mystery poem about the patriarchy and the tomb that it's in being set afire. And the other is a wine crime shirt, which is based on a book we read literally like three years ago. Yep, and it's got a mugshot of Stacy, and they finally put her in jail for what she did. And they're designed by, I don't want to say Baby B, because she does not listen to our podcast, but she's a great designer, she Shana Brewer. Uh, she's an incredible designer, and she made these lovely designs for us. And please do support the show by buying those shirts at bit.ly slash bscc merch. Rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And I don't know, have fun, be safe out there. Especially if you're doing wine crimes, especially if you're solving the lament configuration. Ugh, yeah. I was going to say don't do it, but I don't want to tell people what to do or not to do. Do it if you want. Just like be safe. This week we read a novel that was called Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 31, Marianne and the Music Box Secret. Next week we're going to be reading a novel called Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 32, Claudia and the Mystery in the Painting. Okay, Dorian Gray. And it's Dorian Gray. My name is Jack Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. Please do remember to brown... Fuck. Please do remember to round up... Please remember to brown... Come on... Come on, just let me say it. Please do remember. What are we browning? We're browning the tofu. Tofu. Okay. I love brown tofu. Like when you, my favorite way to prepare tofu now, Jack, and I learned this from Purple Carrot, and this is not an ad. Okay. You dice it into cubes. You toss it in some olive oil and some spices. What's a good spice, you ask? Cajun seasoning. Okay. You throw it in the oven at 425 okay. for 22 minutes. Yeah. You pop that out. It's brown. It's crispy. It's delicious. You throw that on whatever you want, rice, salad, anything. You got yourself a meal. Let me tell you a couple of topos. One, here's one. Get like inch, at least inch chunks of those fuckers. Okay. And use something with a high boiling point, an oil that's not olive oil. Turn it up all the fucking way. Get that oil hot as hell. Fry the fuck out of it so it really crisps on the frying edges. Your oil. Yeah, tofu. yeah. And then douse it with soy sauce. So much soy sauce. Why can't I have high blood pressure? So much. Okay, fine. Guess what? Same thing. Olive oil, salt and pepper. Just salt and pepper. But you want to really crisp up the edges of it. Okay, but salt is an issue for me. What is wrong with you? High blood pressure, I already said. So just pepper. Fine. It's fun. so. Guess what? Here's Tanner's tofu recipe. Put some pepper on a block of tofu. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Delicious. Take your dream horse through that maze. Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been.
should we have a song? Yeah, we can I just, have a song. It, I hate that you don't have a song with anyone. You don't have a song with your wife? N- I don't think so. And we have songs that we both like a lot. Yeah. Jimmy and I have us our song. song. We had we. I guess we had the song that we walked down the aisle to was the Bright Eyes song. That's Jimmy and my song too. No, your song is not the song that Sarah and I walked down the aisle. No, our song is the song that we walked down the aisle to, not your song. So I think that would be our song. It's this is the first day of my life by uh, oh by Bright Eyes. Eyes. Yeah, that's a good Um, one. And uh, but you and I could have a song. Ours is birthday sex. Wait, you're on my song. No, mine and Jamie's. That's okay, what we walked down the aisle to. God, thank God. Birthday thank God, thank God. sex. I don't know that Birthday one. Birthday sex. <sighs> it's the best time of the year. It's like a novelty rap song from like 2008. That's great. Do they have a song that's about like podcast friends? That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>